as uh, recent as yesterday, I had someone who landed their first interview for, for a product designer job. And then last week, another person uh, who also was able to get a job as a product manager transitioning from a software engineer. Both of them, I've been working with them one-on-one. We met off the clubhouse chats and then, um, you know, they messaged me and we've been kind of drilling into their resumes and helping them map those skills over from, from their current role. And so both of those things help them build and prepare for, for those jobs, for the interview and the job. Hi, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode number 99 of The Secrets of Product Management. That was my guest, Jose Platero. Jose is a product manager, but as you'll hear, his claim to fame in the way we met was via his community on Clubhouse called Aspiring Product People. As he says, he used Product Management 101 to build the group, which I think you'll find inspiring and valuable. And since I'm all about storytelling, I offered to work with Jose on tightening up the story he tells about the genesis of Aspiring Product People. This is based on a session I spent with the Aspiring Product People on Clubhouse. So you'll hear that coaching session in this episode as well, and see how a few simple questions and a basic story structure can combine to really ramp a story up. You'll find the notes for this episode and links to related resources, including Jose's contact information and links to my storytelling resources at secretsofpm.com slash 99. And here's Jose with the story of aspiring product people. I was wondering if you would share a little bit of how you got to where you are right now in your product management career. Yeah, sure. So um, I've kind of had a varied, uh, varied degrees of experience, but they're called they're in different types of roles in different industries. Um, I guess early in my career, uh, I primarily worked as a business analyst slash project manager uh, for a large media and telecom company here in Canada. Um, and I did that for you know, a good four years. Um, did another year at another telecom and media, uh, mostly focused on their front end, or like their customer facing products. Uh, and then I decided that I wanted to try something outside of you know, broadcast and media. Um, so I, I took um, a leap into uh, consulting and I did that for about two years. Um, and I worked for, with uh, early stage startups to large enterprises, in some cases, startups within large enterprises. Uh, and then, um, you know, most recently over the last two years, I worked for an incubator for a loyalty program here. And now I work for an airline as a part of their digital team focused on their loyalty product. Okay, so loyalty for those that are not in the biz, that's like the mileage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like uh, for for us, it's primarily the way that you earn status. Uh, so you unlock like travel perks uh, mm-hmm. as as a part of um, you know your travel journey. But we also have this other side of the of the loyalty program that is really focused on allowing you to earn points on everyday purchases, and then also being able to like redeem goods using those points. So there's a bit of a hybrid there. Last time I went to Europe, I got to go on points and business class, and it was awesome. Yeah, it's it's a great experience. Honestly, I cannot cannot go back. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of my goals in life is to be able to fly business class whenever I want. (laughs) Great, and so then you're you've been doing product management for a few years at this point. Yeah, I mean, maybe the titles have been different, but it's been a good ten years that I've I've been working with teams and um, you know delivering products. Uh, So Mm -hmm. yeah. It's been a while. And so your recent project is this aspiring product people. And I learned about this as a club on Clubhouse. 
and that's how we met, right? Because you're one of the founders and, you know, I searched for product related clubs on Clubhouse and I found this one and, and I thought, oh, this sounds like something I would be interested in. Reached out to you and we actually, I've been on a few of your, of your meetups or whatever they're called, meetings. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the generous genesis of aspiring product people. I think a lot of people that uh, fall into product management actually fall into it, right? Uh, especially for some of us that have been in the industry for a long time. It, it was sort of a long and winding road. For me in, in particular, uh, I didn't necessarily know that, you know, product management was what I wanted to pursue. Uh, but it was through discovery of uh, what I was doing that I realized that I liked solving problems, working with teams, and then delivering solutions to do that. Um, what I found that was really beneficial for me was that every so often I could meet somebody that was doing this and I could, um, you know, engage with them and ask them questions. And that kind of access for me really, you know, turbocharged my career. Um, and I, I kind of wish that uh, it was more accessible. Um, and what I, what I realized over the last couple of years is that I've been getting more and more messages from people trying to uh, get into products. So, you know, on LinkedIn or, or other platforms, uh, people either introduce me or, or, or reach out directly to ask me the same kind of questions. Um, and it's really around like, hey, how do I transition into product? Or how do I get into product? Or, um, you know, how do I do this without any real world experience? Or how do I grow into the next stage of my career? So these are these key questions that, that kept coming up. Um, and I, it started, you know, as I got um, more and more into my career, those messages started to increase. Um, and so I, I realized that there's this problem here, right? Like there's this set of things that are keep, that keep repeating. So I was, I was thinking, okay, well, you know, I had this problem um, when I was coming up and it seems like there's still this problem. So what I ended up doing as like a lightweight test to validate if this was a problem was I, I posted a personal story on LinkedIn around my journey and um, I talked a little bit about how helpful having product leaders uh, in the industry was for me early on and still continues to be. And I put a little Calendly link there saying, you know, I'm, uh, if anybody wants to chat for a half an hour, uh, you know, my calendar is, is open to date, book a time. And, you know, I thought maybe one or two people would reach out. Um, you know, the next day I checked my calendar and I had about 50 invites waiting for me. So I had to like quickly shut it oh off because, <laughs> because I was like, okay, I also have a full-time job. I can't, I can't do this. Right. So it's a bit of a slow burn, but I did all of the 50, um, calls. Um, and I, and since then I've, I've had another 50, you know, started to compile, starting to like drill down into those, those problems. Right. And again, it's, it just goes back to those things. It's like, how do I transition or how do I break in or how do I grow into my career? Um, so from that, I, I started thinking about, okay, well, let me see what I can do about this. So I decided to do a few um, kind of video meetups, like uh, ask me anything. And I would bring in other people who broke into product, um, either product design leaders or product management leaders. And we would just have a conversation with people um, and let them ask us any questions that they were you know, on their minds did about four of them with uh, uh, various product leaders, had about 50, well, 30 to 50 people showed uh, on each one. From there, around that time actually is when I discovered Clubhouse. And it just seemed like this natural transition. There was a, a group that was run by a lady named uh, Lily called Pro the Product Managers Group. And so I started running a couple of rooms 
I started engaging with that that uh, that club quite a bit, but I started running a couple of rooms uh, around you know aspiring product people uh, under that under that club, and you know again more people started to show up, uh, and I was like, hey, there's definitely something here. I didn't figure out the solution, but I knew that there was like it was starting to come together a bit that there were this kind of problem. So uh, I decided to you know eventually create my own club and start to host a bunch of different rooms around different topics. Um, at the same time, I'd also been building a Slack community and a newsletter around this too, uh, just trying to see what other ways I could uh, help grow this community. So that's sort of where I am right now. It, it's still, it's just starting to go into this solutioning phase. For the for the last few months, it's really been around understanding the problem space and then validating where, where the major pain points are. And now I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out like, what kind of things can I do to help solve that? And the clubhouse club is one of those uh you know latest uh, iterations of a potential solution for it well that's that's a great story and a great product management kind of way to approach it right you do some early tests mm-hmm. what are some of the big challenges that you're hearing from folks that are trying to make you mentioned the the specific things get into it transition into it move up in particular get in without having PM experience so far, you know, previously, what are some of the big things that you're able to find you can provide valuable help or guidance on and what are you, what's the feedback you're getting? Yeah. So it's interesting because I think a lot of, um, as I'm listening to other product people, I think that there's a lot of um, advice that gets uh, given that's very similar, right? So for people that want to transition into product from a different role, it's really understanding what the product, um, you know, life cycle is, and then understanding their skill set and how some of that maps to the, you know, to the product management skill set. I think I find that a lot of people don't realize that, right? Because they they think they're two different roles, so they they don't have a lot of overlap. But I've spoken to people that have been in the, you know, business development or, um, you know. Uh, customer success, and they really have a fine-tuned sense of uh, talking to customers and understanding the pains. So they have a, a really big um, chunk of this discipline there. And then there's just other things they need to build on. And then the same thing with software engineers that want to transition. They also have this core set of um, you know skills. They just need to know how to translate that uh, into the product management world. And then also, you know, figure out what are the gaps that they have and try to fill those things in. Those are one of the things that I, I try to help people with, like when we when we work one on one. And so I also do some some one on one coaching through um, through mentor crew. So when when I do that one on one coaching for this particular problem, you know, there's that high level advice like map it. But then I also work with them to actually do the mapping and then figure out what gaps they have and try to figure out how they can, um, you know, start to fill those gaps. So it's like one one of the main things. The other one I would say around the real world experience. This one's tougher, right? Because it because you can gain real world experience now by building your own products, and it doesn't have to take a lot of effort. I feel like you could do lean validation of things very easily. Like I mentioned, my LinkedIn post in the Calendly. That's like super simple. Yeah, I didn't pay anybody. I don't know. How, I didn't build any software but at least let me validate that, right? You could also do landing pages. So I talk to people about like validating problems very quickly and easily. Uh, and then there's, you know, no code tools out there. So you could build uh, products or you can even pay people to build no code uh, 
products for you uh, pretty cheaply to to try to get something out the door. But then you exercise that you know product management muscle to show people that you do you know you have real world experience. What I will say though is it depends on where you're going, like what kind of company you're interviewing. The idea of what qualifies as real world experience could be very different, right? Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. that one for me is like. I haven't figured out the best way to solve it, but there are other, um, you know, there are other uh, companies out there right now trying to help with this. So I think there's like, there's some solutioning going around on this. And then for growing into the next stage of the career, just to kind of you know finish up on that, um, a lot of that is like, depends on how far they want to grow. I can only help people to a certain extent. I'm still growing in my career as well, right? So um, right. I try I try to just help them with some of the foundational things that they they need to uh, work on. You know, if it's like a, if it's a way to think about product or if there are you know tools or or kind of how to how to make certain types of decisions, those fundamental things. You know, that they could read from books, but I have like the book, the theory, but also some of the practical application and like the gotchas that you won't normally get there. I, I try to help people with that as well. Um, and that's either through myself or some of the people that I bring into the club that have a breadth of experience. That's a bit of what I've been doing there. That's great. And so tell me about the sort of the state of this club and how many meetings you do and, and how people can find out about them and things like that. Yeah, sure. So um, so if you're on Clubhouse, it's the Aspiring Product People Club. Um, you can also go to aspiringproductpeople.com that'll direct you to the newsletter and I'll be posting stuff there as well. I, our, our, our group now is actually at uh, about 2000 members, um, which is, I, I think it's not, it's not too bad. I, there's, there's definitely other groups out there that are, that are maybe like 20, 40,000, but 2000 is, is a decent number. Uh, and we have quite a bit of engagement. I try to run at least uh, two, two clubs a week. Um, I had been running more, but uh, I was also getting a little bit burnt out on on the number of uh, the number of hours I was spending on on Clubhouse. But I'm hoping, you know, try I'm trying to get a few more uh, community members in there to host rooms. So I'm hoping to at least have two to three a week um, there. So I think for now, it's it's really just about following the club or following me, and um, you know, seeing when they come up. I usually do them. Uh, 5 p.m. Eastern um, or 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern on weekends. Um, so that's that's how you could find out more about the club. Great, great. Yeah, so I really enjoyed the couple clubs that I participated in. That was that was a lot of fun for me. What's the feedback you you're getting from folks on the the concept and on what you're delivering in terms of the value? Like, I, I think there are people that um, are, are pretty engaged. So there are people that, you know, will stay up late or never miss one of the events. Um, I think there's there's value in, in not, not necessarily just like, you know, my, my stories, but um, having other product leaders pop in here and there and share their stories. So I think there's, you know, the, the main thing that I've always thought about when it comes to uh, you know, the value, it's not necessarily in the advice, the advice you could find on a blog. Um, and it's, it's very like a couple of bullet points on how to break in, right? The true, the true value is in the, the depth of the stories that people provide, you know, the people that have been through it. And then they can talk about like the, yeah, this sounds good on paper, but let me tell you the reality of how this actually went down. 
And this is like the things that you need to like, um, you need to watch out for, right? So I think a lot of people really enjoy that. And I also try to keep these things fairly light. So some of the other um, rooms that I run are a little bit more of like mental exercises. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I did like a, a Coke versus Pepsi. And the idea there was around getting people to uh, pitch it like their product and really try to sell each other on the on the features of Coke versus Pepsi. And we got into a little bit of like the lifestyle aspects of that too. So lighthearted, but at the at the core, uh, it's it's like uh, training you to do product thinking without you even knowing it. Um, so I, I think that's been received pretty well as well. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, I think that's a it's really good practice, even though it's a lightweight and there's no right answer, obviously, right? Um, totally. But you can it you can learn different ways to think about approaching that that problem. Cool. Well, you mentioned um, the stories that people bring to Clubhouse, the experts. And for the second chapter of this interview, we're actually going to repeat something that that we did in the Clubhouse session that I was, that I joined you on, where where I was on the panel, which was about storytelling for product managers. So that was the name of the panel. And of course, one of the problems with Clubhouse for a lot of us is that there's no recording. There's no, you know, replay. It's all done live and it it is ephemeral. But I talked about my storytelling framework. You you know, you invited me on to talk about that. And so I gave that framework and I talked about how it worked and things like that. And then I wanted to run through an example and you volunteered to go through an example. What was your feeling about that example? How did that work for you? Uh, It was awesome because I, I was sort of rambling on this a bit. And I think uh, when you when you showed me the framework, it uh, really showed me how to tighten up the the story. And I tend to have to tell different stories all the time, but I never really thought about this kind of approach that you had. But when I listened to you talk about it and point out each of the different sections of it, it helped me go back and try to like tighten up that story. So I had written I'd written it down. I don't have it in front of me, but it is definitely something that I. I, uh, I'm now referring to in terms of how to how to tell stories. Great, well, that's fantastic. And so, what we thought we'd do is to run through that same process. We've already been through it once, so you know it's not going to be too too scary. And I, it's something that I have been wanting to share, kind of a live example with my listeners. And so, this I thought would be a good opportunity since you're you're already experienced at partaking in this process. Let me just give a little bit more structure. This the storytelling framework that I gave, and I've talked about it on the podcast before, it's focused on stories that you might use in an interview in response to the types of behavioral questions, which are like, tell me about a time you were innovative, or tell me about a time you dealt with a difficult person. And so I have a structure, it's pretty straightforward. You've heard about it before in the podcast, but roughly it's, there's a, there's a problem, some kind of significant problem we're solving. You do, you create some kind of a solution or you lead to the creation of a solution hopefully only you could do, or in that, certainly sit that situation, you're the right solver. And as a result of the solution, there's some kind of a transformation and that's the basic structure. So Jose, if you wanted to tell the story of aspiring product people in a job interview, for example, when you were, or, or maybe a podcast, when somebody asked you, tell me about a community that you built, how would you go about telling that story? And, and what we're going to do is I'm going to have you tell me the story. It'll probably be not perfect. It'll be rough. And then we'll talk about how to make it stronger. 
because it's a fantastic story. There's no question about it, but we can probably work on how to make it really good in terms of a small little story that you'll tell about yourself in that kind of context. Okay, let's do it. Awesome. So a few months ago, I had been uh, noticing that I've been getting reached out to quite a bit, especially on LinkedIn, uh, from you know people who are trying to either uh, break into product or grow into um, uh, grow grow in their product careers, and they were generally looking for advice. It's either people that I didn't know or people that were uh, being referred to me by people that I did know. Um, and I'd seen this kind of increase in uh, in messaging over the last year and a bit. And it, it kind of hit me because I know how hard it was to break into product for me. And um, one of the biggest values I got uh, and that really helped me along my journey and continues to do so now is access to product leaders that I could ask questions around. So I started, you know, putting on my product management hat and started to think about like, okay, well, it looks like there's a problem here. I want to find out if there is a bigger, a big enough problem for me to uh, really dig in and invest beyond, you know, these, these, um, these one-on-one -on -one messages uh, that I was, uh, that I was getting. So uh, what I did very quickly was um, I, I put up a LinkedIn post uh, and I talked a little bit about, you know, the, 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 my journey and the problems I face and also mentioned that, you know, recently I've been getting reached out to a lot about um, this particular uh, problem. Uh, and I, I laid out, you know, 10 different pain, or not 10, about five different pain points that I had um, accumulated in these messages. And I just dropped a little Calendly link in there. Uh, and I asked people if they were interested in chatting and wanted to, you know, uh, get a, a bit of help on this stuff that I'd be willing to spend, you know, 30 minutes um, chatting with people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so I, I dropped in there. I didn't think I was gonna get very many responses uh, but the next day, you know, I checked my calendar and I had about 50 invites waiting for me. I actually had to like close it off a little um, because I, I, I had a, a full-time job. So it was, it was very, very difficult to keep up with this stuff. But I, I went through all the interviews uh, or all of the one-on-ones uh, and I've done about, you know, 50 more uh, since then. Really learned a lot and unpacked like some core uh, problems that I wanted to focus on. Um, and so from there, um, what I found, like, you know, the next problem I found was that one-on-one uh, -on -one chats weren't really scalable. So the next iteration that I did was with uh, another product design lead. We hosted a online Ask Me Anything video conversation over uh, WebEx. Um, the first one uh, had about 50 people show up uh, and it was us just talking a little bit about our journeys and then just fielding questions. Uh, it was super engaging. Uh, and then as a part of the wrap up there, I, um, I spun up a Substack sub newsletter to send out the notes uh, from, from that conversation. Uh, and then, you know, started getting more people signing up uh, to that uh, newsletter. And then I spun out a, uh, a Slack community um, to just continually engage with all the people that went through each of these web uh, or these you know, kind of webinars or ask me anything. And I did about three more of those between 30 and 50 people showed up and continue to do those. And I think that I did that for a bit. And then I got invited to Clubhouse. Uh, and in, uh, in Clubhouse, I found a product management community. I started just testing if I could get more people into uh, these rooms focused on some of these topics. So I did, I ran a bunch of rooms under the product man managers group 
and then eventually spun out my own group called the Aspiring Product People, which is about is is now at about two thousand uh, members. Essentially, I'm creating you know a few rooms every week uh, around uh, topics like breaking into product or growing into product or practicing uh, core product management um, skills, uh, and that's sort of like my latest iteration of a potential solution. I'm still not sure, you know, what the next step of it is. I think for me now it's um it's I'm I'm kind of proven out that I can scale it a little bit. I want to see how much more I can scale it and then see how I can, you know, provide more value to people more more consistently. So I think still still in the those iteration phases, but um definitely have seen exponential growth. I think even though the room is at about two thousand there's must have been a few or like a few more thousand people that have attended those rooms uh, over the last uh, couple of months. This is a great story, Jose. In terms of an interview answer, it's very long. And yeah. so <laughs> one of the things we want to do is try to, to come up with some ways to shorten it. Also, the problem component, well, each, each component is pretty long. And I think we can we can start with with let's let's talk about the the problem piece. So again, the story is about a problem that is worth solving and compelling and really meaningful to the people that have it, right? And one of the ways to get to the roots of those is to think about the impact of not solving it. So this would be the impact of not solving those problems on your aspiring product people, right? So what have you heard from them in terms of, and I don't know if you may be asking them or they may be telling you, what is the impact of this challenge on your audience? Yeah, uh, you know, some of the feedback I've gotten um, around some of the specific topics has been that they've had actionable things that they could do to help them solve those problems. Um, one in particular that, that seems to resonate very well is this, this misconception of um, needing to invest a bunch of money to build out a product. But whenever I talk about some of the lean validation techniques uh, to gain experience, um, I find that they find a lot of value in that. So, you know, spinning up landing pages or, or some mm -hmm. of these survey tests um, to practice the product management, uh, kind of one of the product management skills. Um, so. I think just changing their perception of like how hard it is. Right. So I would say maybe the way to talk about that is people are fearful that it will cost them a lot of money to get the experience if they don't already have it. Right. Right. It'll cost them a lot of money to get the experience if they don't already have it because they'll have to build a product. So that's a fear, obviously, that people, they can't afford to get into product management. Right. So that's one of the things you're hearing. What about um, frustration that people are are trying to get into product and they're being rejected or they're not getting callbacks? Is that something that's happening? It, it does happen, but I think a bigger problem is people not starting because they don't know how to uh, translate their current uh, skills into something that um, might might suit product management, even though they do have those skills. Okay, so, they, so they're afraid to start. Even though they feel like this would be a good place for them, they're afraid to get started. Yeah, they underestimate the, skill, the skills that they've, they already have acquired. So one 
thing you could do in your problem part of the statement, because you did a lot of stuff in there, is to say you started something along the lines of you started to get a signal about a lot of people wanting to get into product but being held back. And they were held back for several reasons. One is they were worried that it would cost them a lot to get into it, that they didn't have the experience and it would cost them a lot to get the experience. One is they were afraid to start because they didn't think, even though they were interested, they didn't see how their skills mapped. Well, actually, those are the, those are the two big things we just talked about. So people were afraid that it was going to cost them a lot of money. And they also didn't see how their skills that they might already have would map to product management. And you just general level of frustration, general level of frustration because people want to get into it. They didn't know what to do. And then you said, okay, so then your solution piece was, I'm going to validate this problem. And so what that, what that does is you can say, look, I, I heard this and, and you can do that pretty quick, right? The, the, the problem piece at this point now it's short. It's I'm getting this signal and there's a lot of folks that want to get into product. I'm hearing about this there. They have significant fears about what it'll cost and that even though they want to get in, they don't see how the mapping. So what I did was that's the solution part. What I did was I started doing some market research. I started a little LinkedIn article. I offered to talk to people. There was a huge response. That's all you need to say about that. In fact, it was such a big response that I had to cut it off because I couldn't handle the giant response. That makes it even better. Then you say, so I started to build some additional pieces. I, I did some webinars. Again, huge response, more scalable. And I did that multiple times. I built a newsletter. Again, great response. I built a Slack group. And now I'm on Clubhouse. And now we're up to 2,000 people in the group. And I know there's thousands of other people coming into the group. Now the results are, right, because that, that's the solution piece. And you built all that. And that's all like, oh, I did all the product management things. <laughs> you know, the, the, the one thing you, you might want to think about in the solution part is how you made use of other people to get some of this done. Because as product managers, we try to get things done through other people. Right. right. <laughs> and so what you can say is one of the ways that I've built this is I bring other people on who have expertise who can help, help, help my audience, help my customers. You know, they're kind of your customers. And the impact has been, right, so then you need to tell some, you can tell some stories about what you've heard, you know, like maybe you, maybe you've gotten a story. In fact, this is a good question to, to ask, and you could ask your audience, has anybody gotten a job because of the things that they learned or because of the mindset shift? Do you have people that have talked to you yeah. about, I've gotten a job, I'd be able to move forward, I've gotten interviews? Yeah, no, definitely. So even over the last, even as, as recent as yesterday, I had someone who um, at least landed their first interview uh, for for a product designer um, job. And then uh, last week, another person uh, who also was able to get a job as a product manager transitioning from a uh, software engineer. Okay, excellent. And did you talk to those people at all? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I did. Both of them, I've been working with them one on one. Like the, we mm -hmm. met off the um, um, the clubhouse chats, and then um, you know they messaged me, and we've been kind of drilling into their resumes and helping them map those skills over uh, from from their current role. And so mm -hmm. both of those things help them, um, you know, 
build and prepare for for those uh, for those jobs for for the interview and the job. What I always try to ask about in the results portion is what was the personal impact of your solution on these people? Obviously, getting a new job is a is an important personal impact. You know, so that would be part of your part of the the personal impact. You, so you have these. You you start out with this result with the with the problem which says people are worried about spending a lot of money. They're afraid to start. They underestimate the skills they've already acquired. And you can say in the results, so this is working. And let me tell you about two people. One who got her first interview as a product designer based on understanding how her current skills mapped. And last week, person who got their first job for as a PM from being an engineer, and we talked about how those skills map. So you want to tie that back to the, the problem. I've given you some ideas of short versions of each of these things. Do you, do you want to try telling the story again? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I think... Uh... I'll time you. <laughs> oh, man. Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just prepare. No, yeah, t- take a little time. And we can have a nice little pause here um, where you write down your ideas. And this is actually, when I actually do it in real life, I give people time to write down the story, <laughs> you know, and then to write down the comments and to rewrite the story. So take all the time you like. Don't, no rush. This is editing Nels here. At this point, Jose took a few minutes to work on the story and prepare it for the second delivery, which is coming up. Let's try this again. Okay, great. A couple of months ago, um, I started noticing uh, that I was getting a lot of messages around uh, people trying to break into product so much so that I, I started to think this might be a, a pretty big problem to solve. Um, so I decided to validate the problem uh, just to make sure that it was worth solving. So what I did was uh, a series of lean validation tests. And the first test that I did was putting up a LinkedIn uh, post with a Calendly link uh, asking people if they were facing these particular problems of breaking into product uh, and asking them if they wanted to do one-on-one conversations with me. I had a pretty big response, so big that I I had to shut it off. But what I realized was that there was quite a big problem here. So I decided to see if I could solve it. And I did a few things. I created a newsletter. Um, I did some webinars that had pretty good uh, response rates. Uh, And then I also created a Slack community. And most recently, uh, I've, I've started to run rooms on Clubhouse and have my own club uh, on Clubhouse, uh, dedicated to helping aspiring product people uh, break into product. And we're at about 2,000 members so far, uh, and we're doing about two to three rooms a week, uh, and we're getting a lot of engagement around around that. I think in general, the, the response that I've gotten from it has been really good. Um, we have a lot of deeply engaged people that are coming back into the rooms quite often uh, because they believe it's a very safe space um, to ask these questions that they didn't have before. And a few people that I've been working with uh, very closely um, have actually been able to transition into product. By either, One of them was able to transition and get a job, while the other one uh, got her first interview as a product designer, both of them based off of things that they had heard in these rooms from either myself or other uh, product leaders that I've been able to bring in to help me help the rest of this community. Excellent. Great. So that was uh, two and a half minutes. Oh, man. Okay. Under three minutes is the goal. A minute and a half is kind of perfect. 
you spent a lot more time on on the solution mm-hmm. than the problem. So you you didn't spend much time on the problem. But I mean, so first of all, let me just say this version of the story much more compact, much tighter. You're getting to a lot of the key points really nicely. How do you feel about it? Well, I thought it was much shorter, definitely. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I but I, I hear what you're where you're going with the problem. I think I probably sped, sped through that a little too too quickly. I think there's some opportunity to talk more about the problem, in particular the specific things that you're hearing about the pains yeah the money pain and the and the not knowing how to map the experiences pain i think this the end part was great you talked about the the clubhouse and the growth you you say pretty good a few times right and you don't need to say pretty good you can say awesome excellent fantastic okay. amazing all right because you know that, that you got 50 people in your response and you may know, well, I could have gotten a thousand. So this is just pretty good. Nobody else knows that. <laughs> 50 people to me is amazing. When I put stuff out there, I don't get anywhere near 50 people responding. That's actually a really an amazing res- response. And if you're getting it consistently, that's actually very, that's, that's impressive. And you don't even have to hedge it anyway. You can just say, got fantastic response because it really was, it was over and it was overwhelming, right? particularly to your LinkedIn question, that was an overwhelming response. Yeah. And so you can you can say that over and over again. So that would be some things that I would suggest. How are you feeling about your story now? It's good. It's really good. I think with this one and the last one, and it's funny because this is product management 101, especially when you're trying to demo stuff, which is like you, you really want to get it very tight. You want to talk about the, the, the value of each of these things. Uh, but because this is something that I've been working on so closely i guess i i know all the details so i'm like trying not mm-hmm. to miss the miss the details and then trying to condense it i end up missing the de- some of the most important details so i think this was like a super valuable exercise for me on this i think it's a great observation as product managers we have the curse of knowledge we know everything <laughs> we know why everything's happening the reality is you don't need to tell everybody everything <laughs> most people don't care about all those details right <laughs> very true and when you have the story really tight, people will ask you about the details that they're interested in. Mm. They'll say, oh, well, tell me more about this. Tell me more about your webinars, right? Would be a, a potential follow-up. You have one little half a sentence about your webinars and your story. That's enough to say, I'm a dab hand at webinars. And so the person is going to say, oh, well, tell me more about that. Sometimes our challenges with stories are because we're product managers. We have all that knowledge. Hopefully the audience can sort of see how you can take this set of details. And if you ask the right questions... Like, tell me about the real personal impact of this problem. It, it can help you whittle down the story and, and polish it and compress it into something that is kind of sparkling and, and gives you all these other ways to use it. Yeah, and, and, you know, and as I think I can probably practice this a lot on the on Clubhouse itself because uh, often I'll, I'll give that little intro of where this came from, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, instead of taking the half hour of the, of the hour, I'll try to get it down to, you know, a minute and a half. And with the successes of people getting jobs as a result, that's going to fire people up. When you can get that all into a minute and a half, it's going to say, oh, I want to get on the, in, I want to get on the newsletter. Oh, I want to get on the, the site. Oh, I want to be on the next webinar. Good. Well, this has been very fun for me, Jose. I hope it's been useful for you. Let's close out with some info on how to learn more links that people can follow up on. And... Yeah, I, I think the easiest thing to do is go to aspiringproductpeople.com. That'll redirect you to the newsletter, and on the newsletter, you'll have all the all the links to the Slack groups, etc. And then, if you're on Clubhouse, search for Aspiring Product People Club, 
and you can follow the club, follow me. I'm the first person in that club. Fantastic. Jose, thanks so much for, for joining me on the podcast today. Congratulations on the club and on the way that you built it. I'm really impressed with how you applied product management, thinking to building it up and, and of course, finding a real significant problem out there, which is that people want to be product managers and they don't know how to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for having me, Nils. This was super fun. I hope you found the story of aspiring product people inspiring, and hopefully you can reach out to Jose to make that connection yourself. I thought the conversation with Jose was fun and interesting, and I also hope the storytelling coaching session we did gave you some ideas about your own stories and how they can be improved. I have a number of resources on storytelling for product managers, and I'll put some links in the show notes if you'd like to learn more. Now, in particular, I have an online course about telling your own story, which uses the approach I shared in this episode to help you polish your own stories, including some powerful and dramatic techniques that we didn't get to today. You can check that all out at secretsofpm.com slash masterclass. And for all the other links and information on Jose and related information, go to secretsofpm.com slash 99 for the show notes. You can drop a comment on the show page there. If you have a comment or if you have a complaint on this episode or any other episode, I'd love to hear your feedback. You can also reach out to me on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm Nils Davis on both. Feel free to follow and or connect with me on either platform. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast in your player of choice if you haven't already and share the episode with your friends and or enemies, depending on how you felt about it. Until next time, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.